everyone, and welcome to the Riverfront. This is episode number 496 of the World's Most Dangerous Podcast, where we discuss the Cincinnati Reds and occasionally Stephen Smitherman. That's a good one. That's that's a that's a good pull from the past. Stephen Smitherman, obscure former Red. Anyway, I'm your host, Chad Dawson, with me again this week. Back again. Nate Dawson, how are you, Nate? Chad, I don't know how many of these 496 episodes I've been a part of, but this is the first one where you've mentioned Steve Smitherman or Smith Steverman or whatever. This, this guy's exactly. Chad, I'm doing great. I uh, it's been it's been a lovely day. The weather was beautiful here in Virginia. Woke up, um, had a closing for a fellow Reds fan. So I saw that. What's that all about? Just an awesome, awesome dude. Decided he wanted to buy a house and and did. Uh, I don't know. I got nothing to complain about. And then I woke up and I I looked at the standings and. I didn't. I didn't hate what I saw on August twenty fourth, two thousand twenty three. Wait, what? I thought we're supposed to be mad. Are we supposed to be mad at everything? Every once no. in a while, I get online and I'm like, "Yeah, let's let's go. Screw them too." Wait, wait, wait a second. No, this is fun. I mean, look, this is exciting. For, there you go. If you're looking for things to be mad about, I mean, you can find things to be mad about. We and we we chronicle those here, but man, you got to choose to have fun at some point. And uh, this is fun. In a lot of ways. So, and it doesn't hurt that we're coming off a, uh, a sweep, but we'll get to that in a moment. But before we go any further, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, smash the subscribe button, smash it. You do have consent. If you're listening to the audio version, hey, subscribe. It's so easy. It's free. Just subscribe. Everywhere you find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. Um, I don't know. I think we're on Napster. I think we're on Friendster. We're everywhere. So, uh, Nate, can we just briefly mention again the you know our exciting news coming up for the 500th episode? You want to talk about that a little bit? I don't think you and I've talked about it since uh, we first announced it. So yeah, are we you really pumped up? I am super pumped up. Things are really coming together. We have a few viewer mail questions about that later in the episode. So if you came here just to get information about the live show, fast forward to the viewer mail section. We'll answer all your heavy hitting questions at that point. Um, yeah, we are going to be down at the stretch on. Saturday, September 9th. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be watching the Reds take on the Cardinals, a little live show. I'm not sure what the crowd's going to be like, but I know there's going to be a lot of beer, so it should be a good time, despite the fact that you have to look at me and Chad. Um, man, I really i am getting real pumped. We got, we got some great guests coming in there for everybody. We are going to head over, watch the game. So we'll, uh, I'll be getting tickets and hanging out the game, walking on the ballpark, drinking beers. Watching the boys play some ball. Super pumped. Please go check out um, the stretch. Come watch us if you can. But if you don't want to do that and just want to come to the game, got a shout out to today's sponsor, SeatGeek. Um, using the code Riverfront, $20 off for your first SeatGeek order. It's super simple. They're the easiest, most straightforward ticket purchasing platform out there. I don't need to keep saying it. I can see the stats. You guys are already using it, and you're using Riverfront, and you're saving money. Twenty off? Are you kidding me? You get you get a nosebleed seat. You're practically making money. <laughs> you are really. I mean, you're losing money if you don't don't use this code. Um, literally, no. Um, yeah, we're gonna. You know, we hope you. We don't want to really have a. We haven't decided on a section that we're really gonna be. We're not gonna get a bunch of seats together. Our plan, I think, is gonna be to. And we're gonna dive more into what's gonna happen. Uh, with the live show thing later, but uh, I think we're planning on posting up at various spots around the around the park, uh, you know, and just uh, and hanging out. So we encourage all of you to be there and uh, enjoy it. Yeah, and then please let me add um, 
you know, huge, huge thanks to our Patreon family. You know, without y'all, this wouldn't be possible whatsoever. I mean, I'm really, really excited to start putting some faces to some names and get to meet people that I, you know, talk to on the Slack channel and stuff every day. So really, really excited and huge shout out to everybody that uh, follows this show and made this possible. All right, without question, without question. So yeah, patreon.com slash Riverfront Cincy as well if you want to join the family. All right, let's get into the news of the week. First of all, the Red, as we uh, as we record, as you know, we record every Thursday night. Get into your feeds as quickly as possible. The Reds right now are 67 and 61. That is six games over 500. I know, Nate, you were told there would be no math, but uh, sorry, I, I've just done it for you. The Reds are now tied for second place. They are three and a half games out of first place, and that sucks. It's just the worst. Three and a half out of first place? No, it's. I mean, it's not. I'd rather be in first place as they were before. But hey, they are in the. If the play, if the season ended today, it'd be really weird. But if it did, the Reds would be in uh, the, the final wild card spot. They're a half game ahead of Arizona and San Francisco. And so, what I'm telling you here is, and I know we have a question about it later, so that I want to talk about this a lot more about what it means. But the Reds. This is the last week in August, and the Reds are playing meaningful baseball games. And, you know, uh, if, if if that's not exciting to you and you want to get upset, I, I get it. I'm not telling you not to be upset about the dumb stuff this team's done, about the garbage that happened at the trade deadline and this idiot ownership group. Go to it. But I'm just – I'm choosing right now, as I've said in the last couple of episodes, I'm choosing to treat it like Nick Crawl. I'm going to ignore the stuff that's wrong with the team, and I'm just going to try to enjoy what we have going on. So it's fun. It's fun for me. Yeah, there's 162 baseball games, um, assuming teams don't make the playoffs, which we've been able to assume for large swaths of our Reds fanhood. So there's going to be things to gripe about. There's going to be lots of little decisions, um, trade deadline decisions, if you want to if you want to play that game. But at the end of the day, it's it's wins and losses, and it's playoffs or not playoffs, and then anything happens when you make it to the dance. And like you said, if the season ended today, the good guys get to play more baseball, and the other half of the league goes home. I just don't care about anything else, man. Um, the over the Reds over under this season was 66 and a half wins. They surpassed the, the over and made me a few bucks in the process. I'm not going to lie to you. Fandle, reach right. out. Reach out. We're happy to take <laughs> you out as a sponsor. Come on. Yes. The Reds have already gotten their over, and and we, were, we had serious discussions in the offseason. Are they going to hit that number? And there were legitimate reasons why someone could have thought no that they're going to be as bad, if not worse, than last year. The team is playing meaningful baseball. They just swept the Los Angeles Angels, and they're they're in the hunt. I don't, yeah. know, I, I don't I mean, know what else to do. Incredible. Yeah, I, we did say, and you can go back and listen on uh, the early season shows, we did predict they were going to they were gonna hit the over. They weren't going to lose 100 games again, like people were saying. And uh, But now, did I expect they were going to be here? Obviously, no. No one expected it, including... The general manager Nick Crawl. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, again, just just try to enjoy it. Just try to enjoy it from here on out, and um, and hopefully the Reds will continue to play meaningful baseball throughout September. What else happened this week, Nate? I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna do. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm gonna switch Nate to the uh, driver's seat here. Whoa, you're driving now, Nate. You're driving this ship. I don't know how to talk from the left side, like Nick Crawl, <laughs> who doesn't know how to talk at all. Oh. Oh. All right, so it Something wasn't all being positive. We're That's being right. happy. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows. Um, 
before this awesome angel sweep, the Reds did lose two out of three at home to Toronto. Question about the, uh, the the Reds' home road splits coming up a little bit later. We call that a teaser in the business, so stay tuned for that. Um, Toronto's a good team, Chad. I don't know. I, I didn't have too, too many expectations. Obviously, we want this team to win games, but Toronto's a really, really good ball club. They got some guys back, Bo Bichette specifically, um, just in time for this series. They won game one, so I was, I, was, I was really hoping for a series win there. They won that one on a CES, Christian Encarnacion Strand, walk-off home run, which is super fun to see. We love what the boys are banging. Uh, keep this PG-13. I'm sorry. But <laughs> it got a little bit sketchy in the next two games. Specifically, game three, the return of our man, yeah, Hunter Green. What did you think about Hunter's first start back since coming off the IL? Well, um, first of all, the Reds lost ten to three in in Hunter's first start back, and it was just uh, he was he was steamrolled. And uh, you know, I guess I, what's to say? You know, uh, I'm trying to. Well, I'm just going. I'm just going to do it. Uh, when we were complaining at the trade deadline, certain certain folks who wanted to argue would say they're getting Hunter Green and Nicoladolo back. It's going to. It's as good as a trade. And, and my response to that is always, well, okay, if Hunter Green, well, we still had three weeks until Hunter Green was getting back, but if Hunter Green and Nicolodolo both are, are healthy and both come back and perform as well as they can, then okay, that's going to help. But what if they don't? <laughs> you know, what if, what if, uh, what if one of them's not fully healthy? Hmm. Spoiler alert. And what if one comes uh, back and it's just not, you know, takes some time to get back into the groove when the Reds are playing meaningful baseball? And so Hunter Green obviously was just absolutely pounded. And and it was, I mean, balls were getting hit hard, getting hit hard. And so, um, and so, and, and it was a rubber match of this, of the, of this series. The Reds could have won that series before going uh, out to LA to start a 10 game uh, California road trip. And uh, now, now it wasn't all Hunter, <laughs> it was an all rookie infield that day, four errors. Ellie Dela Cruz made two, um, and uh, Noel V. Marte got his first big league start at third base, made an error, and uh, and so did Matt McClain. But uh, that all rookie infield wasn't great, so so it wasn't that Hunter Green was the only reason. But my goodness, I just it's I don't know what to say. Hunter Green was the best starting pitcher on the people. People don't realize this, I think, and it surprised me a little bit when I was looking at it. When he was healthy, Hunter Green was by far the best starting pitcher on the team, and it wasn't even close. I mean, he was legitimately good. It's just the injury stuff with him always, and so I, I expect he's going to be back. But I don't know. It was just it was it was not a good start, and it was exactly why waiting to uh, or doing nothing at the trade deadline was not a smart idea. But hey, but the Reds are still in the playoff hunt. Hey, Reds are uh, they're in the dance now. Hunter got Hunter got knocked around. And it was it was pretty ugly. The stat line there is three innings pitched, ten hits, nine runs, only eight earned. So you know, you got that to look <laughs> forward to. <laughs> Five home runs allowed. Um, I, I I'm not going to take too much away from him. Hunter looked pretty good in his rehab tune up. Um, but Louisville, the, the the other teams playing Louisville bats are not the Toronto Blue Jays. You know that that team's expected to hit balls really hard and really far, and they did. So it stunk. I fully expect Hunter to come back and look really good really soon. But the Reds needed to get a little bit of pitching. 
the Reds had no depth before Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo got injured. They needed pitching then. They went out and never got it. And, you know, going to keep it positive, so I don't I want to dwell too much. Game two had some annoying things. Uh, Brandon Williamson was not his sharpest, sharpest self. Um, very odd scenario happened late in the game when David Bell decided to pinch run Noel de Marte and let Stuart Fairchild take meaningful at-bats instead of your uh, you know, young wonderkind. I, you know, we can we can talk about David Bell's flaws as a manager until we're blue in the face, but we're trying to keep it positive. So let's move on. Let's get rid of that series. They lost two out of three, moved out for a, I think it's going to be a 10-game West Coast swing. Those historically have been pretty terrifying for Reds fans. You almost never enjoy it. Um, game one gets rained out because of the tropical storm in California. Also a rare thing in Southern California. But it allowed us to get a doubleheader on Wednesday. So after a game one win in which my boy, Graham Ashcraft, was dominant again. Chadwick, what do you think Graham Ashcraft's ERA is over his last 10 starts? I'm going to, this is just a guess, um, but I'm going to say uh, 7.45. That was the previous 10 starts, and I think that might actually be <laughs> legit. Boy, Graham is shoving to a tune of a 2.35 ERA over his last 10 starts. He's Ooh. been nothing short of brilliant. Dialed it up for 10 strikeouts, too. But then we got the doubleheader, and the game that we all got excited for, the Titanic matchup between Shohei Otani and from your University of Virginia, Andrew Abbott. Chad, were you in front of a TV? Were you glued to it the way the rest of the Reds fanhood was? What were your takeaways from this epic matchup? I did not realize the Reds were playing the Angels. I have I didn't watch a pitch of it. No, it's uh you know yeah no that's that was the the most excited I've been for a game in a, in a while. Just Shohei versus Andrew Abbott, and you know, I'm a certified Andrew Abbott fan. But um, you know what happened to Shohei? Not good. I mean, you know, as a as a baseball fan, you have to love Shohei Otani. He's just he's he's a unicorn. But uh, looks like na- now he's uh, he's no done pitching for the season, and looks like probably headed for Tommy John surgery. So that's frustrating. Yeah, that would be number two for um, him, which is not great. But this was the first year that MLB is doing the expanded regular season, where every team plays every team. And if you'd asked me how do I feel about it, I would have said I'm pro for the sole reason that it allows me to watch my favorite team play against Shohei Otani. Yeah. We got like an inning and a third or something like that, which was long enough yeah, for him to hit a home run. <laughs> That's all it took, right? Yeah, that guy. No, we were talking too much about the other team, I guess, but he's just he's a, he's, he's a special guy. Uh, on the Reds uh, side of the ledger, really, really good day for uh, this guy. You may have heard of him, Ellie De La Cruz. Oh, he's that bad defensive shortstop you were talking about earlier. Exactly. Horrible. Horrible. Drove in six runs in the first game of that doubleheader. Home run, a triple. Did not get the cycle, which always disappoints me when Ellie doesn't get a cycle. But um, I don't know. It, it, the home run, um, I believe, was from the right-hand side mm-hmm. of the plate. It was. And so that's always good to see. Um, I, I know I sat there and watched him from the right side, but I'm thinking that was that game, right? I'm just, I, was got, I got confused here on, on live television. There was two that day. You can be forgiven. Thank you, thank you. So, anyway, uh, Ellie uh, looked pretty good, and that's a that's a good. One. I know they weren't facing Otani ultimately, but uh, 
it was good to pick up that game and secure the uh, secure the win. Yeah, the bats came to play. They they won the series on that game, but they did not stop there. It was a doubleheader, and in the nightcap, which I will confess, I did not watch live because games start at nine forty p.m. are past my bedtime. Um, they started Lion Richardson. Is it Lion or Lion? Do you know the answer to that? I'm going Leon. 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 The professional. That's how we're going to say here from now on. I love it. His new nickname is The Professional. Um, <laughs> he, he, yeah, I like him. That's all I'm going to say. They, they, they kept him out there a little longer than I expected him to, but I like his stuff. I think he has a future in the league, whether it's as a starter or a reliever. Time will tell. But I want to shout out the bullpen. The bullpen all series long was just nails for the three game set 11.2 innings, one earned run, and 13 strikeouts. Listen, um, maybe it's recency bias. It is certainly recency bias, Chad, but the bullpen grossly outperformed their expectations the first half of the season. Post-All-Star break, they're coming back down to earth, and what happens? The Reds go on a little bit of slide. They fall out, they fall out of first place, haven't won many series. If the bullpen's back, Maybe the season's back. Maybe the Reds can can go for the division title. I don't know. I'm just saying. Ian Jabot looking a little spry out there. Derek Law. My wife looks at him on the screen and goes, "That's a that's a professional athlete." Yes, ma'am. <laughs> he is. I'm getting uh, excited. I, I'm ready. I'm, no I'm, I'm looking for. I'm listen. I'm looking for anything I can because it's been a rough couple weeks. I'm looking for it. I'm finding it. I'm going to hold on to it. That's all I'm going to say. Well, look, if, if there, it's, if there are things to be excited about. The Reds just got a sweep, okay, on the road, out on the West Coast. Uh, they have seven games to go against Arizona and uh, San Francisco. So, you know, we'll see what happens in the road trip. But, yes, this is good. I, I know this bullpen was doing it with smoke and mirrors in the first half, and any success they have for the rest of the season is smoke and mirrors. But whatever it takes, whatever it takes. Um, uh, you're right, though. Really good performance. Really good performance uh, this week, and uh, so you know I'm not uh, I'm not going to say they're back, but <laughs> um, I guess we I, I guess I'll, we can hope. Hope's all we got. Um, so the, the Reds do start a three game set against Arizona tonight, as we are recording this, or at least about thirty minutes from now. That's a big one. Arizona is like I said, half game behind the Reds in the wild card race. Um, taking two out of three right here could be huge for the good guys. So. We'll keep an eye on that. Let's get to some news of the week, shall we? Let's do it. Let's run through this quickly because we have some good viewer mail questions. That's a fact. Well, first up, the Reds did, as we alluded to, call up Noel V. Marte. He's their top prospect still in AAA. The guy is an absolute stallion. But, Chad, all I want you to know is I'm looking at baseballreference.com right now. My guy has a negative .1 wins above replacement and a 29 OPS plus. Calling him a bust. Get him off the bust. team. I can't yeah. believe no, I mean, they call him up when Jose Barrero is raking down in Louisville right now. Just ridiculous. Front office malpractice. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. Just kidding. Noel Morte is a stud. He was, for me, um, about as close to untouchable as a prospect can get other than Ellie La Cruz. And so excited to watch what this guy does. That all-rookie infield. Is pretty special, and it could be a, a series of fun years in Cincinnati. 
You're right. No, Noelle Marte was, since everyone else had uh, made it to the majors, he was Cincinnati's top remaining prospect in the minor league. So interesting to see him called up. Uh, really, uh, really happy to see that. Uh, you know, uh, this season, Marte uh, began in double A Chattanooga, as you know, hit 281, 356 on base, 464 slugging. Uh, and then he was moved up. And uh, he's now played in 39 games in triple A. 280 average, 365 on base, 455 slugging, 10 doubles, three triples, three home runs, uh, eight stolen bases. Um, and uh, there's a couple things. I mentioned that because there's a couple things I want to mention about his uh, his first week in the big leagues. His first appearance in a big league game was uh, as a pinch runner. He pinch ran for Joey Votto. And um, ultimately, led a, it, it was in the ninth inning, and he led a a double steal. He was the front end to be the front end of a of a double steal that evidently he called himself. He was safe at third, so stole third for his first uh, statistic in the big leagues. And then when he finally got when he got first hit, it reminded me the first thing I thought of was Matt McClain because McClain came up and his first hit, he you know hit the ball in the outfield, what would be a single for most people, but he tore out of the box and ended up with a double. And Noel Marte did the same thing. Hits a ball that most players are going to get a single on, but he he tears out of the box, uh, hard around first base, and goes for it and gets a double. And so um, it, it showed me that uh, he's going to fit right in with the with the running red legs. And uh, so happy to see him. Hope you know is he going to do well all season? I don't know. You know he's not done particularly with the plate so far. Very small sample size, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful and. Uh, Excited to watch him the rest of the way. Yeah, it's pretty cool knowing that no matter what happens going into the offseason, you have too many good players for the infield. Because we have a Jonathan India question coming up. Um, the Reds front office has a Jonathan India question coming up that I'm excited to see how they how they answer it. But we'll we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, did you see that picture, by the way, of the Reds young infield circling around Shohei Otani? Oh no, I didn't see that. It's an amazing picture of all of them just like the stoppage in play and they, they circle him and they're talking to him and Ellie like pokes him to see if he's real. <laughs> fantastic. That. I'll send it to you we get when we get off here. Go check it oh, out. So good. But that's the fun conversations. We got to get to something a little bit less fun. Um, our guy, Nick Lodolo. Chad, he had another stress reaction in his tibia. He is not only not coming back on his scheduled timeline. I'm no doctor, but I'm guessing that he doesn't come back this season at all. They certainly shouldn't rush him. Um, here, we have a viewer mail question from our, our, our family over at patreon.com slash riverfront. Kyle Kapler asks, thoughts on Lodolo? His unreliability grows in my eyes. And I wonder what his future holds. I'll go first. I and first off, the news makes me sad. Not from a 2023 Reds fanhood standpoint, but just on a, on a personal level. I like the guy. Um, I want the best for him. So you hate to see anybody suffer suffer injuries doing you know, playing out their livelihood. I don't think this changes my trajectory for Nick Lodolo, but there was a time when I never once considered the fact 
that Nick Lodolo could be a reliever. And I can't say that anymore. I still think he's a starter. Mm. I think they have to stretch him out there. They got to keep him in that role. But the possibility of that being his eventual landing place, eventual landing place, I mean, you can't ignore it. How are you feeling about this whole situation? Yeah, I'm ignoring it. No way. Not a chance. Um, am I, am I, well, there is a chance. I shouldn't say that. But uh, just to go directly to Kyle's question, is unreliability grows in my eyes, and I wonder what the future holds. What's that what unreliability? The injuries? And that, that's the only time that he's really – he's been injured. It's the only time he's been unreliable on the mound. Now, uh, uh, inability to be on the mound, is it, that is unreliability. If you can't rely on him to start every five days, then yes. Um, so, uh, but I, 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 don't, I, don't see, I don't see that. I, I, if he's healthy, I think he's a starter. If he's not healthy, uh, well, then that's, that's a different story. But I, I just think he has too much value as a starter, and I'm not – his last rehab start wasn't great, and they're not willing to say that the Reds aren't that he's not going to be back this season. But it's I, I'm not betting money on it. Um, there's, there's only five weeks left. Uh, I don't I don't see it happening. I'm coming back, but I don't know. I just he's he's still a kid, and I'm, I'm not. I worry about the injuries, but if he stays healthy, I, I'm still as high on him as I ever have have been. So, but he, but at this point. Given his injury history, you do have to start to think, oh, we can't rely on him to go to the question. So so maybe maybe the answer to Kyle's question is yeah. I mean, uh, the unreliability is, is growing. Um, so I don't know, I don't right. know what I just my, said there, but it was a lot of words. My big big concern is that I, I when he first got injured, when he first got diagnosed, I definitely read a few articles saying that this is an injury that can often linger, not just for a little while, but throughout a player's career. So that's a little bit scary. Um, but I have a different question for you. This is the second high-profile Cincinnati Red that one could argue, one has argued quite publicly, that came back too soon. Do you think there's any any smoke or any fire where that smoke is, or is that just injured players being frustrated? Obviously, I'm talking about Jonathan India, who came out publicly and said that the he, he was upset, pissed, I think was the word he used, because he came back too soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know that I'm willing to draw any conclusions yet, but it's absolutely something to to keep an eye on. Um, and it's also interesting that um, the Reds or the Nicoladolo is going to get a second opinion on uh, on the issue now, and uh, and then they're all going to get back together and discuss it. And that's what happened with Jonathan as well. So yeah, Bears watching mm -hmm. uh, everyone for those that want to uh, scream about uh, the Reds. Uh, Medical staff, as we've done here, and uh, some people do, it's more smoke for that particular fire, but I don't know. Um, That's right. But the good news is the Reds are currently in a playoff spot if the season ended today. I say that keep again. saying that. I say that yeah. again because the next piece of news we have involves our favorite, our guy, Joseph Daniel Votto, who the Reds put on the 10-day IL today. Um, I'm not going to say too much about that because I refuse to slander Joey's good name because it is the best name. I just hope that he had been scuffled a bit lately and that shoulder was the reason why he comes back in 10 days, mashes for the rest of the season, forces the Reds to pick up, either pick up his option or 
sign him to a new deal, and he leads the Reds to a World Series championship. Boom. That's it. Let's do it. I'm in. Count me in. You know, we talked to uh, Chris Garber and I talked last week about how the Reds should pick up the uh, the option, and I think there are a couple of uh, of questions, maybe at least one viewer mail question we'll get to about Joey Votto. So I'm not going to spend too much of my thoughts here because I, I want to. It's a really good question that I think we need to uh, to address. That comes. Uh, it's a, it, the 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 picking up the option comes into play, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's a, you know, a frustrating season. He's he's been productive by and large. He's had these moments where he's for stretches he's not been, but you know, um, I don't know what to say, Joey. Please get better. Please get better by September 9th. Please, please be in the lineup on September 9th, Joseph Daniel. This is literally the reason, one of the reasons we chose that day. And the reason Chad chose to break his ban. Um, some moves surrounding that. Nick uh, Nixon Zell got sent down the AAA last week. He is now back, apparently. So... Hope you don't get whip, whiplash staying on top of the Nixon Zell news. Can I can I make a a, a a point about that? Because um the Reds, uh, when they put Stuart Fairchild on the seven-day uh, injured list this week, they called up Michael Ciani from Louisville. And um, and then they uh designated Henry Ramos for assignment and called up uh Nick Martini. Some there, there's a there's an actual player named Nick Martini. Shaken nor stirred, neither one. Um, and I and, and so my comment on our on our outline that we do <laughs> on how we're going to do the show was, so long, Nixon Zell, you're done. I mean, you're never you're never coming back. Probably if they're calling up Nick Martini and Michael Ciani, we're done. And and your comment was, uh, yeah, not so fast because he's back. And so I don't know what it means. He's not probably not back for long. I hate it, but um, but I'm glad I was wrong, and I hope he does well. Yeah. For sure, I can't believe Nick Martini is on the Reds right now. Shout out to our guy, Ken, who was probably thrilled. Ken over at, at Obscure, former Reds, the only guy who was excited about the Nick Martini signing. So thank yeah, you again, yeah. Nick Crawl. We have once again gotten crawled, and it doesn't feel great. Um, <laughs> Chad, you had, a, you had an article over at Cincinnati Magazine this week. I don't think we need to go into too much detail because it makes me sad and I don't want to. But do you want to touch on what you wrote about Tyler Stevenson in 2023? Uh, not really. Uh, I'd say go to Cincinnati Magazine and read it um, if you don't mind. Give me those. Give me those precious, precious clicks. Um, I guess I'll say this: Tyler Stevenson had has had a really tough season, and so I want to do kind of a deep dive. See, see why it's been a tough season, see uh, whether we should be excited for him to, to come back um, or if he's going to come back or if this is who Tyler Stevenson is. And um, there's pretty good evidence out there that this uh, he, he's he's probably better than what he's playing. I think that I, well, I think it's safe to say he's absolutely better than what he's playing. And, and uh, there's no reason to believe he's not going to improve over the long haul. Uh, I also think that it's fair to say that uh, we, and by we, I say me uh, specifically, and you can, you all, everyone, all the, all the, all the viewers can tell me whether you agree, whether you did the same thing, but I over, I think I overrated him a little bit. Um, he had such a good first, you know, season and a half. I had a 115 plus coming into his age 26 season. That's, that's impressive. That's not done very well for a catcher, and he's just not hit. But even worse, and I'm not telling you all anything you don't know, but his defense is just getting worse. 
by the year. Um, his pitch frame. Well, here, here's here's the way it here's the way it looked. Um, there's uh, Fangraphs has this uh, ludicrous um, stat called fielding run value, and so oh whatever, who cares? I'm you know, my my eyes glaze over it when I even think about these things. But I, I, actually, that's, that's Statcast, not fa- not Fangraphs. Statcast has that, but it's whatever fielding run value it has him seven runs below average. Okay, so whatever that means. Again, I don't. If you like the nerd stats, that's fine. I like them. I'm just, but there are 72 big league catchers who uh, have at least, uh, I think, at least 250 at bats. I think so. No, who have caught at least 100 innings. Boy, I'm, I'm Johnny on the spot today. <laughs> 72 big league catchers have caught at least 100 innings. He's 70th among those 72 in uh, fielding run value. Fangraph's metric is the catcher catcher's framing statistic, a pitch framing metric. And, um, Stevenson is 64th among the 72 catchers in this pitch frame metric. And what their metric says, and I'll say this, I do think based on uh, what I know about the metric and, and the, looking into it and, and reading how they calculate it, and um, I think it's a pretty fair estimate. But they say that, that just his bad, Tyler Stevenson's bad pitch framing, that alone has cost the Reds six runs this year cumulatively. Um, just by, you know, the number of strikes that they're not getting or, or – uh, balls that they get called that are strikes. And that's, that's a. Astounding number. Are we? The- Sorry, my internet. Crapped out there for a minute. Yeah. So what you're telling me is that. The stats back up the eye test with Tyler Stevenson. Um, it's been I guess, pretty yeah. rough. And sorry for the technical difficulties there. That's all right. But I want to give everybody out there a little bit of encouragement because in the last seven days, Tyler Stevenson has an 866 OPS and two home runs. So he's back, baby. The Reds are back. Tyler Stevenson's back. The bullpen's back. Ian Jabot still speaks with an accent, loves fish and chips. We're doing this. Marching to the playoffs. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, when I when I talked to my editor about uh, what I was going to write about this week for uh, Cincinnati Magazine, I said, "Well, you know, let's let's do Tyler Stevenson because it's something we I'd had on my radar for a while to write about." But he had just hit a home run in the ninth inning or in the uh, seventh inning of the previous game as a pinch hit home run. But then, of course, he struck out on three pitches the last at bat of that game, and so I thought, "Well, that's a pretty good dichotomy." But then he got, he he's hit another home run since and. He's back. Please tell me he's back. Let's go. If he's not, the good news is the Reds uh, apparently have brought back Kirk Casale. So the three catcher experiment has, it lives on. <laughs> but because I have no enthusiasm to speak about the Reds having three catchers on August 24th during the playoff race, <laughs> what do you say we get to some viewer mail questions? Bring it on. All right. As always, these viewer mail questions come from our friends and family over at patreon.com slash riverfront. Cincy, where you too can join the family. Our first question comes from Seth Shaner. Seth says the Reds are now nine games over 500 on the road and three games under 500 at home. Why? Any speculation, Jeff? Just to make Seth's mind wonder the 
crazy questions. Is there is there any reason why I can't think of any reason why this would be the case? Can you? The only theory I could come up with is that the Reds collectively um, prefer a different level of firmness on their mattress than their spouses. So at home, <laughs> they're in these soft mattresses that are not conducive to the limberness required to play a professional sport. They go on the road, they get the hard hotel mattress, boom, the guys are ready to play ball. <laughs> you think that's it? That's what. That's all I got. Otherwise, I have no clue. I mean, the other pitchers have yeah. to pitch at Great American also, so I just I, I don't get it. I wish I had some explanation. I wish there was something. I, I think it's just sort of luck of the draw, really. I mean, I really don't think it's uh, – I can't draw any big conclusions. If there's some reason for it, someone wants to tell us, let me know. But I can't think of any reason why that would be the case. But let's, well, uh, let's enjoy it. How many games have you been to, Seth? Let me ask you that. Ah, is it Seth's fault, perhaps? I mean, from what I know about Seth, probably not. But we can't rule it out until we really dive into the evidence. <laughs> I agree. I agree. All right. We had uh, we had two questions that were pretty similar, so we'll answer those together. Joey Gaditza, our brother from the North, Says gents, when you do the oh, live oh, oh, stream, oh, 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 I'm sorry. Before you do that, I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta show you something. If you're watching on on the YouTube, so I gotta show this to Nate. It's Ellie. <laughs> it's Ellie touching Shohei. I went and found the picture myself. Uh, I didn't see the rest of the guys, but there's there's Ellie. So anyway, sorry, sorry, Joey. Didn't mean to interrupt Nate's uh, reading of your question. Continue. <laughs> Joey, yes, gents. When you do the live show from the stretch, are Jeff and Steve from Locked On joining as well? Even though I can't attend, I'm really looking forward to seeing all the heavy hitters in one show. First off, Joey, all I'll say to you is, are are we not enough? It's pretty rude. But Hooper Pal followed that up by also asking, are there going to be any special guests on the show for live episode number 500? Chad, I'm going to let you take this one. Uh, no. There are going to be no, uh, it's not going to be fun at all. There'll be no one there that's going to be interesting or entertaining. If all right, I'm not on. enough for you. Yeah. If I'm not, how am I not enough? I mean, you know, I haven't been to a Great American Ballpark in three years, four years. It's been even longer than that for Nate. Why is this not enough for you? And and, and before I go any further, Joey, if if you don't come to this game and this live episode, you are banned from the Slack channel. How dare you not come south? We'll help you get your anyway. Visa. Um, so, uh, Jeff Carr from the Locked on Reds podcast will be joining us. Woo. Um, yes. Happy, happy for that to happen. Uh, and the way this is going to work is we're going to have the whole Riverfront gang and, um, you know, guys from the Riverfront Bengals show from, uh, late night Reds. Um, and, uh, so we're going to talk a little Bengals during the show and during the Bengals session. Um, he's trying to make it work, but it looks like James Rapine who has invited me on uh, the radio many times to, to join him at uh, ESPN 1530, hoping he can make it, probably going to make it. I think we almost have that confirmed. I don't want to get out of our skis on that. Um, me and Nate, Joe Farsing, Ben, uh, Tim, Daniel's Late Night Reds, Greg uh, from the uh, uh, the football show. Is there anyone that I'm missing that may be showing up, Nate, that we don't uh, that I haven't mentioned? There, there, there's one potential one out there that we're still waiting on. So we'll, we'll keep that a secret for now. Really? It's a secret. Are we thinking about the same person? 
I mean, if he's your favorite Texan of mine. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think wait and make, confirm, I guess. But uh, we're excited about what, you know, I don't know how long it's going to go. We're starting at 4 o'clock. Um, and we're going to start with the Reds. We are going to talk a little Bengals, but it's going to be mostly Reds. Uh, we're going to shift guests in and out. Um, we're going to, uh, everyone's going to be having lots of drinks, I'm sure. And uh, it, I, it's really going to be a lot of fun. We already know of a bunch of people that are confirmed uh, that are going to show up, both from the Patreon family, but also from, you know, um, other our, our other viewers of the show. You don't have to be a member of the Patreon family. If you're in the Cincinnati area, man, come on down. I'm dying yeah, to meet you for, for real. Um, and we're going to hang out and then go to the game. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Shouts to the guys that have confirmed people from other shows that are going to come on. Uh, Joey, Steve Offenbaker lives in Hawaii, so that's going to be tough for him. Though, if Steve, if you are in town, we would love to have you. Um, it's also the weekend before week one of the NFL season, so we're going to have plenty of Bengals stuff to talk about, and we're just going to have a, have a good time. We hope to do some live viewer mail also. So more details coming soon on that. We're just could not be more pumped. Yeah, no, I think um, uh, Bill Lack, I think, is going to be able to be there. Um, uh, Chris Garber is going to try to make it make it there as well. So we got to confirm with them. So I'm putting some pressure on him. But I don't know all the guys that uh, that you've heard on uh, on this show over the years. Um, yeah, I haven't reached out to Jason Linden. He's not been with us in a while, but he was on this show a lot of episodes. We need to invite him over. Um, and actually, now I think about it, there are a couple others I need to invite. So. Um, I'll do that when we get finished here, but I'm excited. I am. I'm seriously, seriously pumped about it. Yeah. Um, it's just stay on the lookout for more details. They're going to be coming out soon. We're, we're still locking everything up. Yes. Yes. Much more, many more details. Uh, Nate, do you have the next question from Jordan Biddle? You know, we should, we should move right on Jordan Biddle. He asked, how is Milwaukee good? This is a good question. How is Milwaukee good? Am I the only one who is frustrated and sickened by how Milwaukee is winning games? Disgraceful. First of all, I appreciate the vitriol towards Milwaukee. Love it. Question. It's necessary. We don't need to reserve that just for the, the, the Chicago's and the St. Louis of the world. Milwaukee, you can get it too. And George Batten lead off on this on this hate fest. Um, how is <laughs> how is Milwaukee good? That's a funny question. I pulled up their baseball reference, and just a quick glance tells me that they have exactly like two and a half above-average major league hitters, which is not what you'd expect out of a team leading okay. the division in a shockingly competitive division for as much crap as the Central's gotten if the season ended today, they'd have three playoff teams. Um, Jordan, the answer is they're pitching, man. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve. 10, 11, pitchers that have, have pitched a meaningful amount of innings this season that are not just above average, but well, well, well above league, league average. They're just shutting teams down the dirty way. They're making games ugly, keeping scores low, and hoping Christian Yelich does something fun at the end. And they're doing it without my boy Rowdy Tellez, who's an all-time hot body guy. <laughs> Definitely. No, um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to zag a little bit here with the uh, with the Milwaukee hate. Although I do love Jordan's use of frustrated and sickened and disgraceful. Uh, I can't put. I know I ha we hate that they're ahead of the Reds right now, but I cannot put the the Brew Crew in with uh, the the Cardinals, uh, who who suck. I love it, um, and the Cubs, <laughs> the stupid Cubs, um, and for Tim Daniels, we have to add the uh, the the Pittsburgh Pirates. Tim Tim hates Pittsburgh. 
with the white hot intensity of a thousand suns. More than I hate anything um, in my life. That's true. It's true. Um, but uh, Milwaukee, I guess I'm I'm influenced by the fact that every time I've been to Milwaukee, the people there have been so freaking nice. Just the best people. And we also shared a moment because I went to a Brewers-Cubs game. My son and I have to be in Milwaukee. We went to a Brewers-Cubs game. And so we were all just kind of joining together in our hatred of the Cubs. And they stand behind no one in Milwaukee <laughs> with their hatred of the Cubs. So you got to respect that at least. But um, So that's my non-analysis after Nate gave you a little actual analysis. I hate that they're ahead of the Reds. I hate that the Reds have metaphorically pooped the bed almost every time they've played them this season. But I got to tell you, man, you base your entire – identity your whole culture around cheese and beer it's hard to hate on it it's hard to it hate. is it's not a bad way to live your life what a snow so, yeah but a good question uh next question comes from white walls i'm sure this person has an actual name but all i have here is white walls <laughs> just, just saw teenage mutant ninja turtles with my kids and we had a lot of fun at the theater if I assign you the role of Splinter, it's Master Splinter for those who are uncultured swine. What four Reds, past or present, are you bringing with you to are you bringing with you to bring down the evil opposition in a fight to the death? <laughs> oh man, I wish you do a whole episode. Can I can question. I start here? Yeah, please. May may I begin? Because here's what I got to say. I don't know who Splinter is. And I'm going to tell you why I don't know who Splinter is. So there was a time. I have three younger brothers. I have three younger brothers. Nate's one of them. And there, there are two others. And so I'm the oldest, as you can probably tell. And, and there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie that came out in, uh, I guess, the 90s. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to be a good big brother. I'm going to take my two youngest brothers to see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And so, you know, we go, we get the popcorn and the, you know, the drinks, and we're sit settling into our seats to enjoy this movie. And um, just as the movie's getting started, Nate's other, one of our other brothers, Nate's older, older brother, just, just older than him, decides to vomit all over me. <laughs> He just yacked all over the whole place and especially all over me. And so I uh, I was frustrated. I, I said, come on, we're out of here. And I took him home and just left Nate with a friend. So, uh, and, and the friend evidently, uh, um, a guy I ended up going to college with, uh, as a matter of fact, but he, I guess, took care of Nate because he survived. But so how would I know what Splinter is? Because I got vomited on the first time I tried to learn about Splinter. <laughs> and I was afraid to go to Wikipedia last night for fear of what might happen. So Nate, uh, this question's I, I'm kidding. I do know who, who master splinter is, but um, I wanted to tell that story. Sorry. I've just been excited all day to tell that story. Oh, it was a great movie. You, uh, you missed out. Um, I like to think of this as Joey Votto is the master splinter of the reds. Ah, yes. Leading the team to sure victory. Um, let's talk through this a little bit. Um, Adam Dunn has to be on the team because Adam Dunn is an answer for every, would you want you? How do you feel about it's it? True. Resting, and he's a giant man, so you got to have your your muscle. Um, I'm feeling pretty strongly about uh, little, little 
little special K. I think Kevin Mitchell would be a value add. Oh, you got me, beat me to it. That was my first guy. Kevin Mitchell absolutely has to be on this team. Thank you. I love it. Um, you know, there is an actual comic book superhero that played for the Reds. Do you need is the there? Flash? Do you need the Flash? <laughs> Are we talking about Sean Casey? <laughs> yeah, the Flash himself. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Billy Hamilton for our speed guy. Uh, yeah, I think okay. you, you could go Ellie, but we don't want him getting injured in battle. I'm with that. I'm with you. Still need now. So we need one more guy. I mean, it's got to be Yaziel yeah. Puig, right? Oh, see, that's not where I was going to go. But given what he did against the Pirates in that fight, it may have to be Yasiel Puig. See, I was going to go old school. I was going to say, let's get Ted Klazuski in oh. there with the, you know, the big, the guns always, always. Um, but given Yasiel Puig and his performance in that fight against the Pirates, I think that may have the edge in that glorious picture. Um, so, all right, I'm with you. But as long as Kevin White Mitchell Walls. and Adam Dunner on the team, I don't care. Yeah. White Walls, I'm going to put more thought into this. I'm going to come back to that next week. I'm excited. I want more questions like this. So, well done. That was a good next one. question comes from friend of the family, Rex Scott. Rex asks, couldn't be happier that we get that we get to watch relevant Reds baseball and scoreboard watch in late August. Church, Rex. Church. Even happier that I get to drive up to Phoenix twice this weekend to see our team play the Diamondbacks. I'm still Let's predicting... Go. Still predicting a playoff spot for our Reds and think a division title is well within reach. What are your predictions for where the Reds will be at the end of the end of next month? Explain them as well, please. Rude. Making me do more work. <laughs> Show your work. Um, I envision the Reds landing in between the uh the heaters of June and early July and the doldrums of recent weeks playing above 500 ball the rest of the way, just missing out on the division title, but finishing firmly in that second place in the central with a couple game lead up on the next team behind the second wild card spot, not the last wild card spot, the second wild card spot. I think they're going to do that on the backs of timely pitching. I think Brandon Williamson is going to continue looking sharper the way he has. I think Hunter Green is going to be somewhere close to what we saw in the first half of the season from him. But I think more than anything, the bats are the bats are going to come back alive. The bats have been quiet for a month and a half now, and it's perfectly coincided with how this team's gone. I think they've only lost 16 games all season when they've scored four or more runs. So when they put up runs – they don't lose. They rarely lose. So it's going to be the young bats. They're going to carry this team to the promised land. And then Joey Vaughn is going to lead them to a World Series championship. Obviously. Please, please. Um, in, in, in all seriousness, I mean, uh, you know, we sometimes try to be uh, <laughs> uber positive. And sometimes we try to be uber negative. Uh, we, we, we swing between uh, whoa, poles whoa, whoa. here. but We don't try to be negative. They force that upon us. It's, it's, it's forced it. Part of telling the truth here, right? Uh, I really here's what I genuinely think is going to happen, and I it may or may not because who knows? It's baseball, but I, I I think the Reds have some pretty evident flaws. I think we've documented those well. Uh, the bullpen, the starting pitching is just it's not going to be good, especially if Lodolo is not coming back. Um, it's just you know Brett Kennedy. I mean, you know 
Brett Kennedy was a starting pitcher in the only game the Reds won in uh, the uh, uh, Blue Jays series. So I, I, I think they have some real flaws. I, I, I agree with Nate, though. I think the offense is due to get on a heater, and I, I could see them really carrying the team a little bit. But I think it's probably a situation where they're just going to be, um, you know, sort of poking along like we are. I think they're going to – I think they are going to get that last wild card spot, but I think it's going to come down to the last day of the season. And you know what? That could be kind of fun. <laughs> It'd be super Scoreboard fun. watching on the last day of the season. Are they going to get in? Or are they not? You know? Um, and, and it may be a tie, and they have to have a playoff game in which I hope they're not playing against the uh, the, the Mets and Al Leiter um, in that game because oh. that would be bad. Too That's soon. A little 19, 1999 reference for you there, Nate. Too soon. So, But I, I see no reason why they're not going to stay in this thing right to the very end. I don't see them falling off a cliff, but I don't really see them getting on a heater like they were. I think the offense is going to heat up, but I don't see him. It's not going. We're not going to go back to June, but uh, I, at this point, I don't know. You know, um, a five-game winning streak puts them back in the division race. Five-game losing streak makes it difficult. So, anything could happen. But I, I, I feel can, pretty good about what we have coming ahead of us. I could use another twelve-game winning streak. Yes, please. Certainly. Set the league on fire. All right. Next question is from James Urban. He is one of our oldest listeners, but we like him anyway. James says, what is more shocking, the Reds sweeping the Angels or Luke Weaver getting picked up off of waivers by the Mariners? A little add-on by uh, Jonathan Andrews. Or Luke Weaver pitching two scoreless innings and striking out five. <laughs> Chad, which one is uh, which one was more shocking to you? This is not even close. I mean, this was not even close. If you had told me that Luke Weaver would ever pitch another inning in the major leagues, Never would have believed it. And I think I said it on last week's episode. Never in a million years would have thought he'd get picked up. And not just picked up by another organization, but immediately added to their big league team in Seattle. And then immediately <laughs> having two shutout innings, I guess, with five strikeouts. No, nah, no way. That's by yeah. far the craziest thing. I never saw that one coming. 100%. And the Mariners are playing incredible baseball. They're back in not just the wild card, but the division race against Texas and Houston. Um, I think they might have even swept a series against Houston recently. So they are in the thick of things, and they are trying to go for it. And they picked up a Lou Weaver late in the season. I will note, by the way, that he uh, only pitched two innings. So they a good team recognized that maybe he shouldn't be starting. I There's some limitations there. Yeah. Cra- yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff, I know. But, but can I say this? Good for Luke Weaver. You know, yes. I mean, that guy got his brains beat in here, but he, it wasn't, we get mad at these guys that don't perform, but he was trying, <laughs> you know, it's like, you could put me on the mound and you could get really mad at me because I gave up a hundred runs. Wouldn't really be my fault because I, I don't have the ability and he, Luke Weaver, you know, he's just, he was put in a position where he was set up to fail, but he was trying and he gave everything he had for this team. And so um, it doesn't make me happy for anyone to lose their jobs. And so good. I'm glad he's still pitching in the big leagues. Just glad it's elsewhere yeah and we even talked about it here here a little bit and it's uh certainly common refrain in our slack channels i wouldn't have mind giving him a shot out of the bullpen the reds need a long reliever somebody that can cover three four innings in the middle of the game because their their starters so off so often go five innings and why not try that it's a good question why not why not try that instead of just cutting bait on him? I mean, it's not the first time really this season. Bad, so I understand, but yeah, it's not the first time this season that they have put someone in a role they were ill-equipped for, and then sent them on their merry way. So, shout out Rest to in Luis, peace, Sessa. Luis Sessa. 
Yeah. All right. Next question is from Rich Thompson. Rich says, gentlemen, what are a few of your favorite things about this year's Reds team? A few of his. Rich. And this was to be sung to the tune of these are a few of my favorite things. He says, Reds late inning comebacks and Alexis Diaz's ninth inning strikeouts, TJ's bunt singles and Joey banging homers, Reds stealing bases (laughs) and going first to third pressuring defenses. He says, hey, P.S., do you think that maybe this could be developed into a catchy tune for a musical someday? Rich, we just really, really poorly tried to Rich. do that. Rich. A few Rich. My, favorite, my favorite things about this team, um, I have loved the dynamic that Joey and the young guys have. The post-game celebrations that Ellie and Matt McLean brought up from AAA and that Joey became a part of, I think that's been so fascinating to watch. Um, I've loved watching Andrew Abbott just show up out of nowhere and exceed expectations. I've loved the fact that Ian Jabot and Derek Farmer are willing to wear that uniform like that in front of thousands of people any given oh, night. It, I, I, I hate to call you out on this, but uh, Derek Farmer is actually a, a, not a real person. <laughs> Sorry. Listen, ten, specify. Ten, 10 years from now, I'm going to remember Derek Law <laughs> yeah, and right. as the same person. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Derek Law. I love the season has said so many just insane highlights. Joey Votto homering on his first day back. Ellie doing Ellie things. The hustle, the grit. Jonathan India setting the tone in the offseason and coming yeah. out of the gates hot. People forget how great he was for that first month at a time when this team needed to see that greatness was possible. So I'm going to say that my favorite thing about this Reds team was uh, the great Reds Twitter trade deadline war 2020. No, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. It's the fact that we get to root for a team that simply doesn't quit. Even when they've been playing bad, the guys are out there giving it their all, and they are a fun team to watch night in, night out. Yeah, no, that's the thing about this team is there's a lot of things to be frustrated about, as we've talked about a little bit today, and, and a lot of reasons to be upset with the front office and um, and ownership. There really are genuine reasons that people should be should be mad at this organization. But that aside, there are – I feel like we're sort of repeating ourselves a little bit because we say this every other week, seems like, but there's so many little things that have been fun about this team. So many little moments. So many just um, – I don't know, just exciting – Exciting things every single night. And so, uh, but all that aside, there's really only one answer to this question. The Everyone's favorite thing should be two words, two words here. Will Benson. Tell me about it, stud. <laughs> Son. Oh my gosh. I'm just desperately in love with that young man. Sorry. I should have said that out loud, but it's true. So there you go. We've pushed the envelope a little bit on this episode, so I think that's that's fair. Um, I will disagree slightly with you, Rich. I am not a huge fan of TJ Friedel's bunt singles, though I do think TJ Friedel should be in a lineup seven days a week. Um, next question comes from Jonathan Andrews. Jonathan asks, how could we be anything less than happy with having meaningful baseball in August? I love it, Jonathan. He says, oh, wait, season tickets for infill boxes are going up in price. Fans are coming in droves. For me, this is a successful year, and I have hope. Could this be a team of destiny in that we squeak into the playoffs and somehow play like the 1990 Reds and sweep all the playoff series? I'd love it. I'm for it. I am in. 
We've said it here before. 2023 Cincinnati Reds are a team of destiny. Joey Votto, playoff, walk-offs, Graham Ashcraft sweating all over the mound. Derek Law maybe showing up sometimes. I'm in. Yeah, bring it on. Um, you know, are they going to sweep the playoffs? Okay, probably not. But the thing that I, I, I'm a firm believer in this, and why it's why I think, I think the Reds should have gone all out at the trade deadline, because all you have to do is qualify for the playoffs, and you have a shot. I mean, it, how many times do we have to see a wild card team make it to the World Series to know this? Baseball is a crapshoot in the playoffs. You know, Billy Bean, the age general manager, that's what he said back in the day. Look, I, I can put together the best team you can, but my voodoo doesn't work in the playoffs because it's it's a crapshoot. It's who gets hot at the right time. So it, it, the truth of the matter is, as mad as we were at the at the trade deadline nonsense, if they could just sneak into the playoffs, they could. They could get on a run. And and if they if they even make it to the World Series or make it to the National League Championship Series, I think about how much I talk about the 95 Reds. I love that team. I loved them. Maybe my favorite Reds team of all time, the 95 Reds. They lost. They got swept in the National Championship Series. And so if this team could make it even that far, this team becomes one that is going to have a chapter in the second edition. I think it's already going to have a chapter in the second edition of the Big 50. That's a little inside baseball for you there. But um, yes, it's possible. If you get in, if you get in the, the, the tournament, you got a shot at winning it. And so, I don't know. Um, I, I'm with you, Jonathan. I, I love the way you're thinking. And man, I would just, I would, I would just about give, uh, well, not anything, but I would, I would pay cash money for the Reds to make it to the World Series this year. Yeah, I've got some uh, people in my life that are really good friends of really good baseball oh. clubs, teams in contention for a World Series this year, and there is a consistent consensus among all of them that they don't want to play the Cincinnati Reds in the playoffs. So you just got to get there, boys, and I'm ready for it. All right, next question from our guy Woo. The Reds. Was that enough O's? I'm not sure if I said that long enough. I'm going to workshop that a bit. <laughs> Who ask? I think Reds' ownership has a simple litmus test. Publicly resolve Votto's contract situation for 2024 well before the end of this season. Full recognition of his time in history with the Reds is something Votto and the fans deserve. I almost expect ownership to screw things up and not allow Votto to have the send-off he deserves either this year or next. I think it speaks volumes. If ownership doesn't recognize this situation, we are a month away from the final Red Series at home this year. I feel we need a fan-driven Joey Votto appreciation weekend just in case we don't know where things stand for 2024 by then. Thoughts? Chad, not lead off on this one. Uh, No, I think this is great. I think it's fantastic. And and it, it is really frustrating. It's extremely frustrating because obviously I made the case in print. I made the case uh, here on the show last week that the Reds need to pick up Joey Votto's option. Pick up the option, you cowards. What are you waiting for? Bring Joey Votto back. Um, it, it just it seems like a no-brainer to me. But again, I'm sort of a sentimental, gooey, uh, field of dreams type Reds fan. I like the, I like these stories. Um, so, so let me start from that premise. I think the Reds should absolutely bring him back. No question in my mind. Uh, even if he's just the DH next year, he can produce for this team. He can also, he'll get a chance at the playoffs again, which he deserves after the crap he's put up with his, well, I'll say the crap. He's been paid handsomely, but the team has been awful uh, most of this time. So to me, it's just a no-brainer to bring him back. 
Now, I know there's a lot of disagreement on that point. And, and I think that, that, that uh, even that disagreement can be made in good faith that you don't think the race should bring him back. So I'm not suggesting that if that's your position that you're wrong, uh, because I think you can make a good argument. Um, and I've already said why I'm biased uh, uh, on this question. Although I, I think I've made a pretty good argument in print as to why it's a good idea. Now, that being said, uh, if the Reds are going to bring him back, if they've made that decision, okay, fine. Let it go. We'll have next year be the swan song. But they do. I, I'm with Wu here. They need to make some kind of a decision soon, because if they're if they intend to not bring him back, no matter what, then uh, the the month of September should be Joey Votto month in Cincinnati. The last home game should be Joey Votto Day. Um, they should go all out every single home game to celebrate something different about Joey's career. It, uh, I, I like a Joey Votto weekend, but I think it'd be Joey Votto month because the fact of the matter is. Well, I, I say the fact of the matter. I've said many times that I think we are very likely not to see a player like Joey Votto that's a Hall of Famer that plays his whole career for the Reds again in our lifetimes. I'm, I'm hoping that Ellie Dela Cruz is that guy. Uh, or Noel V. Marte or Andrew Abbott, whoever. Will Benson. Tell me about it, Stud. Will Benson, maybe he'll be a career. Well, he's already played for the Indians, so he can't be a career red. But anyway, or the Guardians. I guess they were the Guardians at the time. Um, so yeah, who's right, though? If if, if they're not going to sign him, if they're not going to pick up that option, uh, they need to do something to celebrate him. Just just go ahead and tell us now so that we can can, can celebrate the guy. So uh, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm, I'm pretty passionate on this. And like Wu's question sort of suggests there, which is that, if, the, if this stupid ownership group lets Joey Votto leave at the end of the year and does nothing to celebrate his tenure here until after he's gone, I'm telling you, man, I, I you already know what I feel what what I feel about the stupid ownership group. You already know what I how I what I think about these yahoos. You already know that I think we should hash brown sell the team, Bob. If they let Joey Votto get out without celebrating one of the greatest careers in Reds history. I'm done. I'm done. All right. Sorry. I got a little emotional, Nate. Uh, you have things to say. I'm sure. I'm sorry. You pretty much covered just about all of it. Um, I feel like they've never truly celebrated what they have had in Joey. And I think that needs to happen in some capacity. It would be an awful shame if it doesn't happen while he is in a Reds uniform. There is some nuance to this. He has said out loud plenty of times he's not done. He still expects to play more baseball and be a regular player. I think that if he comes back from this injury and has a strong finish to the season, that's going to guarantee that he plays somewhere next year. Um, But if they have already decided they're not bringing him back, and they don't do something, I'm going to lose my mind. Now, if it's still in flux and they want to bring him back at a lesser amount and he can get a better deal elsewhere and he goes, that's different. I'll understand. But I won't. they have almost no money on the books next year. Um, they're, I, I don't envision a scenario where they suddenly – bump up into the top third in payroll in Major League Baseball next season. No so they have the money. 
And even if they just pick up the option and they say, this is going to be the last year. They're going to make that $20 million back or the $13 million because they got to pay him just about anyway. Yeah, $13 million is what it would take. You can do the math and figure out how to make that money up in ticket sales and merchandise by doing a Joey Votto Swan song. Bobbleheads. Um, I mean, go all out. Have all a things. different they bobblehead will, every other weekend. They will do bobbleheads. We know that. So I fully expect the Reds to fumble the football. I hope they don't. And I hope we see I, I, Joey Votto in a Reds uniform as long as he wants to be in one. It reminds yeah. me, I keep going back to last season with Albert Pujols. He played half the time, hit a lot of home runs, and got a proper goodbye. I think Joey Votto today is better than, than Pujols was in his final season. So I'm not saying purely like a platoon split or anything like that, but man. Woo, you're right. If If... A Reds-led appreciation weekend might be worth doing just because I don't have any faith in the front office to do the right thing. Yeah, I, uh, the one quibble I'm going to have is if the Reds think they're going to, well, maybe we can sign him for $10 million or $7 million instead of the 13 it would take. If they're going to nickel and dime over bringing a Reds legend back and let him escape somewhere else, let somebody else pay more, screw him. I'm done. After all of the, the, the fake loyalty BS that they've done to – hamstring the franchise in the past, not trading Todd Frazier because you want a freaking contest that didn't count. Right. Holding on to Billy Hamilton. Like, even these guys, these fan favorites. Like, Joey Votto's the best player the Castellanes have ever had and arguably, possibly, the best player that they will ever they will play underneath yeah. them as owners. Do the right thing. They never do the right thing. So anyway, let's let's move on. Right. I'm I'm getting I'm trying to Sorry. we had so much we fun and now I've gotten well, irritated. Hey, the Reds, if the season ended today, would be in the playoffs. Joey Yes, playoffs. thank you. All right, last question. Jay Cottrell. This question is for the honorable Judge Dotson. Uh word honorable's doing a lot of work in that sentence. Do you feel that longer sentencing for drug offenders lead to higher? Oh, I wanted you to read this. Rest recidivism. Recidivism rates. Recidivism rates. I don't think I've ever said that out loud before. So thank you for putting me on the spot. Jay, Chad, answers? Well, I'll, Jay, thank you for the question. I'll say this. I'm neither honorable nor a judge. So um, I, I'm going to, first of all, question the premise of this question. Do I feel that longer sentencing for drug offenders leads to higher recidivism rates? Well, that is a long, long question. What do we mean by drug offenders, first of all? We're talking about drug dealers? Well, that's different than users. I think that long sentencing for drug users is uh, is counterproductive. I think there um, there are better means to deal with uh, with those that are um, addicted and that are only committing crimes because they're addicted than strict incarceration. Uh, there may be a component of incarceration to it, but quickly get them into a treatment. As someone who was involved in a recovery court, drug court, for many many years, so. That's what I'll say. Um, that's a long, hard question. Um, I think I, I think treatment is often the best option um, with a courtroom component, with a judge requiring certain things. It helps people uh, get focused. And drug courts, I'm, we're not going to talk about it here, but drug courts are my favorite thing on earth. I think they're the greatest thing that we have going on. That's the only thing that makes an impact. 
in the criminal justice system right now. So I just became, I just switched over into my legal training side, Nate, for just one moment, but um, support your local drug slash recovery court. That's all I'll say. Well, I think you misinterpreted the question and he's talking about people that offend the drugs. Drug <laughs> offenders are offending the drugs. Uh, drugs have feelings too. So ah, stop yes. offending them or you'll get canceled. Oh, that's the way it is in 2023. <laughs> All right. We have, uh, we've been around the much. We've, we've gone way too long. Um, Chad, any, any parting thoughts as we head into a really important series against the Diamondbacks? Uh, I just want to say that uh, the Red signed Trey Mancini to a minor league contract, and we didn't mention oh, it because yeah. why would we? But you know, that was I an to awesome. Make sure we mentioned that that would have been awesome news back in March. <laughs> right, it really would have. But as of now, whatever. No, no final thoughts, Nate. Um, uh, we got some exciting things coming up the Riverfront uh, Network here with not only just the live show, but um, the two other shows we currently have. And uh, you know, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, Go listen to the, the Riverfront Bengals show. They're having a good time getting ready for the season, as well they should. That team is looking good. Um, and, uh, and you know, check out uh, Late Night Reds every Sunday night. Tim Daniel does an incredible job. So much fun. And, uh, and again, I keep saying it. Jumbo Diaz was on a show. It's just, I love it. I love it. So, no, Nate, uh, had a good time tonight. Uh, thanks for having me on as your guest tonight. Anytime is the least I can do. You know, we have to, we have to provide a platform to, some people, I guess you qualify. Um, but yeah, just shouts to everybody on the riverfront. Um, super exciting things. Head over to our website. We've got some great merchandise going on over there. Um, always taking uh, opinions and ideas for new merchandise. And we've also got some local Cincinnati area university sports coverage happen over at riverfrontcincy.com. So go check that out. Some more exciting things coming soon on that front thanks to everybody for listening and supporting the riverfront tell your friends like us smash subscribe buttons spread the good word youtube your favorite app wherever and once again huge shouts to our friends over patreon.com slash riverfront cincy show would not be possible without all of you over at that family and we'd love for y'all to join um shouts to sheet seat geek appreciate y'all sponsoring the show and mostly Shout out to Adam Dunn. Shouts to Lee Salverto, to Wayne Cranchicki and Eli Cash, for Chad Dotson and somebody named Steven Smitherman. Yes. This is Nate Dotson saying so long, everyone. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.